0: Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals
1: go, we have one
0: putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today's April 14th, 2019, 7.59 p.m. Game of Thrones is coming on in an hour, so let's get this done.
1: All right, let's do it. <laughs> we're not playing around.
0: We are watching the previous seasons. We've got two more episodes to go. It doesn't look like we're going to be able to get to them. I think we They're should not watch important. the last last episode was important. That leads right into this one. That was when the spoiler alert, when the, the ice dragon melts the wall. and the
1: Right, but we kind of know where we are in the season. And it picks up... it. At the beginning of the episode, they always show you the relevant scenes from prior episodes. Okay. So I think I, we know where we are. I think we should just watch it at 9. So let's quit lollygagging. We got a book report we did.
0: We did a book report. We did
1: a book report. All those nights of struggling in grade school prepared us for this moment.
0: <laughs> this We read the book Quarterback Whisper" by Bruce Arians and...
1: Lars Anderson.
0: Interesting thing, Lars Anderson is the senior writer for the Bleacher Report.
1: Oh, that is interesting. I had no idea.
0: Bleacher Report apparently has some pretty good journalists. They're the ones that had the Aaron Rodgers story the other day. So
1: maybe they're legit.
0: Yeah, surprised me. Anyhow, we read the book and we have some interesting nuggets for you tonight. What do you got, Molly? What do you think?
1: It tells a lot about him, and I don't know if I'm a current NFL coach that I want to be that open of a you know of a book.
0: Yes, he was very open and explained a lot in how he plans games, game plans.
1: It would be really beneficial for our division opponents to read this.
0: I'm sure they have. You think so? Yes, and if you are a Buccaneer fan, I would suggest highly reading this book. You would get a good understanding of Bruce Arians and how this team is going to be in the future, which I'm very excited about.
1: So we touched on briefly that he lets his quarterbacks pick their favorite plays during the game. He picks... He maps out the first 30 plays of the game, and he lets the quarterback pick their favorite plays. He thinks it gives the quarterback ownership of the game, but makes him accountable for what happens.
0: Yes, they have a meeting on Friday evenings. He gets with his quarterback, and the quarterback gives him his 15 favorite pass plays. Arians will then put in 15 running plays, and that'll be the script for the first 30 plays. In those 30 plays, Arians tries to get every guy involved. Gives, which
1: I really like this, too.
0: Yes. He gives, it's
1: a confidence-building thing. He's
0: very, very big on confidence. Very big on confidence. Uh, he gives the running backs, they get a few carries, they get a feel for the game, which I think is smart. And uh, all the wide receivers get a chance to make a catch or two. He says that the earlier your best players are engaged in the game, the better, better they'll generally play for the remainder of it.
1: But the qu- the fourth quarter is Arian's time. That so is Arian's time. So he gets complete say. He'll take the input, input of his quarterback, but... It's his ultimate decision.
0: Yes, I get the impression that he's going to let because he's really focused on the quarterback. I mean, Arians is a quarterback. Well,
1: and he says that's the most important relationship on the team is the coach and the quarterback.
0: Yes, and it's going to be interesting to see how he does this because he's going to let the offensive coordinator play calls, call plays, and he's going to let the quarterback's coach coach Jameis. But I think Arians is going to be heavily, heavily, heavily involved, especially with his relationship with Jameis. He's he's very big into relationships. He thinks that's very important. He thinks it's the most important thing. And I think he's going to let the offensive coordinator call the plays all the way up to the fourth quarter. And then I think Arians is going to take over. Just like I think he's going to let the quarterback coach coach Jameis, except for what Bruce Arians wants to catch. Yeah. Because Bruce Arians is really into having a personal relationship with his assistants and his quarterback and the veterans on the team.
1: Which, speaking of the assistants... He is never going to fire an assistant. Yes. He will move an assistant if he doesn't like what they're doing or it's not working. He will move them, but he will never fire them. And he talked about when he was the offense, was he the offensive coordinator at Pittsburgh or the quarterback's coach? I think offensive coordinator. He was
0: offensive coordinator.
1: And after, was it a bad year, a bad season the team had? Something like that. They. Pittsburgh didn't pick up his contract again. No, it
0: wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. That was the year they got beat by Tebow.
1: Okay, yes. And Tomlin, Mike Tomlin that year said, Bruce, I'm going to get you a raise this year. So season ends and Tomlin calls Bruce Arians on the offseason and he said, I couldn't get you a contract. And Bruce said, oh, that's okay. You know, I don't really need a raise. And Tomlin said, no, I couldn't get you any contract. And so Bruce Arians is like, Are you firing me? And Mike Tomlin's like, Well, no. And he's like, But do I have a job? And Tomlin said, No. And Bruce said, Well, you're firing me. And he was actually pretty pissed about that. Yeah, he was
0: pissed. That's the only uh, coach that Arians didn't like after he left. He's kept a relationship with everybody else. But I think with Mike Tomlin, those two are not friends.
1: And he says it's because of loyalty. He really values loyalty. It's,
0: It's his biggest thing, loyalty. So
1: Bucks fans... You need to get over that.
0: Yeah. No but
1: No calling for people to get fired because Bruce isn't doing it.
0: Right. And, and that's a big thing with Tampa Bay fans. We love to call for guys to get fired. Right. Give it up because Bruce Arians isn't firing anybody. He said he will reassign them, but he will never, ever fire an assistant. Yeah. He says they're like family. If you work for Arians, you are family. And he believes loyalty is the biggest thing in the world. He has a low threshold for bullshit, too. Uh, But he does have a great relationship with the media and enjoys interacting with them. I found that very interesting. That's unusual for a coach.
1: Another thing about the assistants was when he took the Cardinals job, you know, Ken Wisenhunt got fired as head coach, and they brought Bruce Arians in, and there were some assistants that Bruce knew, and he had a relationship that were left over from the Wisenhunt era. And Bruce Arians actually called Ken Wisenhunt, and Ken said, Bruce, you have to fire them, like, you got to bring in your own guys, and so right.
0: Bruce didn't want to take the job because he was going to have to fire, yeah, he's going to have to fire all these
1: people. And but he said it's so important to bring in your own guys, and just one assistant that is malcontent can poison a whole coaching staff. And so I think that's really telling with Mark Duffner or Brenton Buck- Buckner why Bruce didn't keep them. Yes,
0: it surprised everybody that he didn't keep Buckner because they had played together or coached yeah. together, and.
1: In Arizona, and not you, that far.
0: Yeah, you expected him back. to keep you on, but he didn't. Got rid of everybody. Right. Brought his own guys in. So and that's, that's smart. why. Yeah, it's yeah. a good idea.
1: I think so, too. Even though you don't want to see him leave, you don't want to see people get fired, or mm-hmm. even if you know, especially when you know people and have a relationship with them. But.
0: Yeah, he said that in the coaching world, there's a lot of backstabbing that goes on.
1: Yeah, that was interesting, too.
0: He also said there weren't too many secrets in the coaching world, too. These guys tell each other pretty much everything about players and owners. And
1: and it's a small community.
0: Very small. Yeah, th- he was going through talking about all the coaches he's played for and players he's played with and all that. And it was just fascinating how everything intertwined. Like, he, uh, he was roommates in 1970. He was the first white guy to room with a black guy. At Virginia Tech in school history. And the guy's name was James Barber, who happened to be Tiki and Ronde's dad.
1: And Bruce Arians babysat for those and kids. Bruce
0: Arians used to babysit apparently Tiki had health issues as a child. I
1: know, I read that and that was sad. I had no idea.
0: Yeah, so he babysat Ronde while uh, they went to the hospital. Him and Bruce and his wife Chris babysat Ronde while Tiki's parents went to the hospital with him. Mm-hmm. One thing I found very interesting about this that really stood out to me is that Bruce Arians likes to drink a lot, or at least acts as though he does. He's around alcohol quite a bit. He used to be a bartender. He bartended all the way through college. Uh, He has tailgates after every game where he stocks his trunk with beer and liquor and et cetera. All the players and coaches are invited. It's right after the games. And uh, all of his meetings are at bars. And even when he went into the hospital when he was with Arizona, I think it was a kidney issue, whatever, he had surgery. And the doctor let him have one beer with every meal while he was in the hospital recovering. Uh, He said that made his day when the doctor told him that. But here's the thing. Tampa is a laid-back, cool party city. Arians is a laid-back, cool party dude. It's a match made in heaven.
1: I think so, too.
0: It really, really is.
1: Yeah, I think he's going to fit right in there.
0: I hope he stays for a long time. I'm excited about
1: it. I want to talk more about the quarterback relationship because he did spend a lot of time on that. Oh, yeah. He spends a lot of time with his quarterbacks on purpose. He takes them golfing. In fact, when he coached Ben Roethlisberger, Ben bought a house down in Georgia right near Bruce Arians' retirement home retirement home that doesn't sound <laughs> right <laughs> they call it their what do they call it oh, their forever home? home forever home. something like that yeah, something like that so ben bought a house down there to be close to arians and so he plays golf with them he knows their families they go out to dinner they you know they do everything they do a lot of stuff together he spends a lot of time with them
0: yeah his big thing too was that on the field he's gonna get on you about your football but off the field. He ain't going to talk about football at all. It's going to be about your family, your relationships, Mm -hmm. how's your life going. He he really builds a bond with his players. Yeah,
1: I think that's why everybody loves him. So he also, he likes to bring in a backup quarterback that knows his offense, which that's got to be why he brought in Blaine Gabbert. Blaine. Yeah. He said... Um, the solid backup is another coach in the meeting room and on the field. Remember, quarterbacks will ask their fellow quarterbacks more questions than they'll ever ask their own coaches. So I think that explains why he brought in Bla- 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 <laughs> Blaine Gabbard. I'm going to get there. Blaine Oh Whatever. <laughs> he was that guy. <laughs> I was
0: amazed at how he went into all the detail with Carson Palmer, Andrew Luck, Ben Roethlisberger, all the Peyton quarterbacks that he's
1: coached, yeah, it was Kelly Holcomb.
0: Yeah, he got really into their characters and their back lives and their their pros and their cons and all that. Ben Roethlisberger was pretty fascinating, especially considering all the crap that's going on with Pittsburgh. Uh, he said that at first Ben Roethlisberger didn't work hard enough on his craft, and he had trouble with the locker room. He said his fundamentals were not as good as Aaron thought they should be. And quoting him, he says in his first two years he had a great defense behind him, and basically he just had to win third downs. He thinks Ben had trouble letting people get close to him because he had he had some some pretty bad tragedy in his life his mom died when he was young his mom was his mom and father had divorced his mom was coming to pick him up for visitation and got in a car wreck on the way there and died Mm. his uh coach his his favorite coach and his mentor died so ben roethlisberger is kind of a standoff dude apparently andrew luck on the other hand that was fascinating apparently he's extremely extremely intelligent
1: he his family moved to germany he grew up in germany Loves architecture. Architecture. He's
0: got a degree in architecture.
1: Yeah, that's it. He went to Stanford. He
0: wants to build football stadiums.
1: Yeah, I love that. It's so cool. Like, he walks into a stadium and looks at how it's built.
0: Yes. And Lucas Field Field Stadium, the Colt Stadium, he's like, it's perfect, the design of it, because it's industrial, he called it. (laughs) He said it really gets the industrialness across. (laughs) But he's super smart. He's cool as ice. Uh, he was able to get past the bad play better than anyone his Arians had ever been around. And the crazy thing of it is, is that Luke's father, Oliver, Luke's father, Luke's father, Oliver, Oliver Luck used to play in the NFL. He was a backup quarterback to Archie Manning. And he used to babysit Peyton Manning.
1: Right. He became like Archie's gopher. Like Archie would fly into Houston And hand the kids off. And to- Oliver would come pick him All up right. from the airport and he would take Cooper and Peyton.
0: Yes. And then the crazy thing is, is that Andrew Luck is the one who ended up take taking Peyton Manning's job. Yeah. How crazy is and that? And the
1: families are still friends. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Peyton Manning, that one was really interesting oh. to read too. Yes. It was cool because you really get a sense for how football oriented he is. I mean, he Yeah, that's it.
0: That's his whole life.
1: And he's been in the NFL locker room since a very young age. Like 5 years old. Yeah. So he understands the locker room and that was Bruce Arians said that he had trouble with life skills. Like Peyton Manning. Had Peyton trouble. Manning. Yeah. Like For instance, his mom would put pictures of outfits in his closet that went together, so he would have, like, a reference. And one time, he was in college in Tennessee, and his girlfriend, I forget where she was, she later became his wife. But they were talking on the phone, and this is before cell phones and, you know, Google. And... He, he was like, I'm going to order some Chinese when we hang up. So they hang up, and like 30 minutes later, he calls the girlfriend and says, I can't figure out how to do it. Can you please order me some food? <laughs> so she had to She order had a call from out of state, <laughs> across the country, and order him Chinese. But he's just so football-oriented. But despite those troubles with, like, functioning, <laughs> he can read a locker room, and he is so good at getting people to follow him. Yeah, he's natural, such a good leader. Natural-born leader. Yeah. And he would he's really good at pranks.
0: Right. Another thing that really jumped out at me was Bruce Arians said that within days of becoming the Cardinals head coach, he met with the veteran tackle there, uh, defensive tackle Darnell Dockett. Now, he did it to develop a relationship and get him on board with Arians' coaching philosophy and style because Darnell had been a longtime locker room leader. And Arians steadfastly believes in veterans controlling the locker room. Uh, he has veteran leaders say words at halftime. He doesn't believe in hazing. Uh, he said, everyone needs to remember to help each other at all times. If a veteran sees a young guy who's partying too much, he thinks that's, that veteran needs to get that young guy's ass out of the bar. He says, because if you don't, it'll come back to bite all of us. That's what accountability is. Now, they start every meeting by reading what he calls an accountability sheet.
1: Which we've heard about since he came to Tampa. Yes,
0: and it was on all, all or, or nothing. Or nothing. Uh, This sheet lists all the mental errors and penalties committed during the previous practice. Now, guys apparently are terrified to have their names on this sheet. If a rookie or a relative newcomer makes the list too often, Arians expects a veteran player to straighten them out in the locker room. He doesn't believe that's the coach's job. He says it's the job of the veterans to police the locker room and make sure everybody is mentally sharp every time they are on the practice field or in games. Quote, he says, if the veterans don't support their head coach 100%, there is a danger of losing the locker room losing the essence, the very foundation of the meaning of team, end quote. Now, I found this striking because the first thing Arians did as a Cardinals head coach was meet with the defensive defensive tackle to establish a relationship with him and help him out and, you know, let him go. You're the veteran. I expect you to do this in the locker room. You control the locker room, blah, blah, blah. He did not do this, as far as anyone knows, with Gerald McCoy. Now, Gerald McCoy is the veteran in the locker room.
1: Besides DeMar Dotson.
0: Besides DeMar Dotson. I mean, McCoy's been there longer than anybody besides Dotson. He never has met with Gerald McCoy. To me, that screams something. And to me, it screams McCoy's not going to be here. But I would also assume that it means he does not think McCoy has the veteran leadership style that he wants in the locker room. And this is something that, you know, Tampa fans have been well aware of for years. You know, McCoy's more of a...
1: Have you go lucky. Yeah,
0: he, he claims he leads by example, not by... He's not a rah-rah guy and all that good stuff. And I don't think Arians is down with that. Arians wants McCoy or the veterans to control the locker room, to get everybody in their place. So I would assume that even without the salary cap problems, Gerald McCoy never had a place on this team. And that sucks. But it is what it is. It just that just really stuck out to me that, you know, and, and Arians doesn't talk about defense hardly at all in this book. I mean no, he, no, he no. has he has nothing to do with the defense. He matter of fact, he says that as an offensive coach, it's his job to make sure that the defense never takes the field. So, you know, he's just not he's not a defensive guy, but the first thing he did when he went to Arizona as the head coach was to meet with the defensive tackle to establish a relationship and get the locker room straightened
1: up. And you would think that in Tampa Jeremy McCoy would be an important piece.
0: Yes. Yeah. If you were
1: to establish if, a relationship with,
0: if you were going to do that, then Gerald McCoy was the guy you would go to. Exactly. And he didn't. I found that very telling. But,
1: and like you said, the NFL is a very small world. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if McCoy has a reputation there or. Yes.
0: Yeah. I think uh, Arians knows that just, just McCoy just isn't the style of player he wants.
1: Yeah, I think it's more that. I think McCoy treats this as a job. He comes in, he clocks in, he gets his paycheck, he leaves, and the outcome really makes no difference to him.
0: Yeah. Anyhow, getting to back to quarterbacks, since this is a book called The Quarterback Whisperer, he has a lot of things that he says a quarterback must have. To sum it up, a quarterback must have grit, heart, leadership, and confidence. He must be the most driven and toughest player on the team. And those things I believe Jameis has. You know, I think Jameis is going to really thrive in this situation with Arians. But there are two things that Arians is really big on that I think Jameis is going to have a problem with. One, Arians is huge on play-action fake handoffs. He makes his quarterbacks practice them and practice them and practice them. RG3 was the best I've ever seen at it. Jameis is really, really bad at it. He's, (laughs) He's not as bad as...
1: Freeman was pretty bad. Freeman,
0: yeah, he's not as bad as Freeman was. Freeman acted like he just... I mean, he was just going going through the
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, But Jameis is really going to have to work on that. And I've said that forever. I I want Jameis to start doing more pump fakes and better play action handoff fakes. He he just doesn't try to be tricky.
1: I started writing an article with all these characteristics to determine whether Jameis had what Arians is looking for. And as I was researching it, I found an article on NFL where Arians came out and said a lot of what James's problems are are mechanics. Mm. His mechanics are bad. He mm-hmm. needs some work. Yes. And so I think that goes to the play action, yes. the right. all that stuff.
0: But the other main thing that Arians is really big on with his quarterbacks that I think James is going to have a problem with is making smart decisions.
1: Yes. That was where I had a hard time with that analysis, too. Because on the one hand, Jameis is very studious. He's there at 5 o'clock every morning. You know, he studies.
0: Yeah, he's, but- been, he's been planning to be an NFL quarterback since he was a kid. So
1: Right. But... He makes dumb decisions on the field. Yes, he does. And off the field. But during games, he makes some bad decisions. And you're just... It's like as soon as he lets the ball out or as soon as he's, you know, running, he realizes he made the mistake, but it's too late to put that cat back in the bag. Yeah. So... I do think that's going to be an issue, and I hope that he doesn't see the field
0: either. No, that's what I was going to say. He's horrible at seeing the field.
1: So, I hope that Arians can fix these issues.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you listen to the podcast, you know that I talk about every week, there's at least four or five plays a game that James Winston has a wide-open receiver, generally for a touchdown, that he just does not see. So, hopefully, Arians will get that. Arians is big into the virtual reality, and Jameis Winston does the virtual reality stuff. Yeah,
1: Carson Palmer loved that.
0: Yes, because you could do it from home. Right. So, hopefully, Arians will help him out with that as well.
1: So, here's what Arians said about, these are the top three attributes. I think you just said them, but the grit, will, and brains were the top three. So, grit is the ability to handle success and failure equally.
0: When a play does not go as designed, the quarterback must not sulk, lose his temper, or even convey a sense of frustration.
1: Who does that make you think of? Matt Ryan. Kim Newton. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, Cam Newton. Yeah, the opposite. The worst sulker. He, the uh, I mean, sits on the side. I of the just, all I saw, yeah, was that <laughs> him sitting on the bench with a towel over his head. I hate Cam Newton. I do too. But, I mean, Jameis, he's not a sulker. He's a, no, uh-uh. I mean, I uh-uh. think I've seen him frustrated probably a handful of times, but it's with himself, not with anybody else.
0: Yeah, I think Arians doesn't even want that. He yeah. wants, He says he wants the. Uh,
1: the quarterback needs to project calm and poise and steely eyed confidence.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he wants his quarterback to be totally confident, and uh, Aaron's really goes out of his way to uh, eliminate all doubt in the quarterback's mind. That's one of the reasons why he lets the quarterback pick the 15 passing plays in the first 30 script, because he wants the quarterback to feel totally confident in what's going to happen.
1: Right. He says, everyone in life needs reassurance, but quarterbacks especially so. You want to eliminate all doubt in the quarterback's mind. There's some delicate little flowers there, aren't they? <laughs>
0: Well, he, he pointed this out into something that we've said here on the podcast, too, that, you know, when we talk about players being bad or players being good, I mean, it's a thin, thin line between the worst and the best. And he talks about that in the book and how the difference between winning and losing is paper thin. And one of the biggest factors is confidence. You know, if you can have a team full of confident players, that'll give you an edge to get you across that paper thin line.
1: The next attribute was will or heart. heart he calls it yeah. So, a big heart, a lion's heart, a heart that beats for an entire franchise. Heart is exhibited when a quarterback plays through pain, when he smashes into a 320 pound defensive lineman on third down to try to gain those extra six inches for the first down, or when he throws an interception and then runs 40 yards down the field to make a tackle. All of those things. That's James Winston. That's James Winston.
0: That's what I was very hesitant about James Winston when we drafted him, but it was in that Atlanta game when it was third down, and I think it was 12. Uh, We were in the red zone or close to it, and Jameis Winston runs and takes off, and he gets tackled by three or four guys. I remember uh, Claiborne was involved in that tackle. They slammed into him, and I thought they broke him in half. (laughs) And he popped out of that pile and spun around and ran for the the first down. And and all the defenders were sitting there just amazed. They were like, how did he get out of that? And even the announcer was like, this is you know, they, they thought he was down.
1: Yeah, and you think the play's over. Yes,
0: and every time Winston throws an interception, he is the first guy running after the, the ball carry to make the tackle.
1: Yes, or fumbling. If he's fumbling, yes. he's in there trying yeah. to tackle. Winston
0: never gives up. No. Never gives no. up. No.
1: So he's got that one in the bag. Mm-hmm. Grit, I think grit. he's got, yeah. And then the brains that we talked about. hmm Here's the part that gives me some hesitation, and this is a quote from the book: ability to process a vast amount of information in a short of amount of time and make prudent decisions based on that intelligence. So that's the part that gives me some pause with Jameis. And
0: I see. I think that a lot of it, a lot of Jameis's bad decision making, has to do with his offensive line. He's just so skittish. I mean, these guys have really let him get clobbered a lot throughout the year, and he's gotten happy feet. He runs out of the pocket too quick. When he doesn't have to, he doesn't step up in the bucket like he should. He just doesn't – I just don't think he trusts his offensive linemen. And it, I think it's made him make bad decisions.
1: I think that's true. But I think also, and Arians talks about this in the book, is that he's always trying to make a play every single time he's on. he's got the ball. Mm-hmm. He's trying to score a touchdown. He tries to be Superman right. every play. Well,
0: Arians believes in that.
1: No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. No, he says he doesn't want so – if you can take – if you can't make the touchdown, then you get the first down, or you get the third down. Oh, okay. You don't yeah. have to be Superman on every play. He right. believes in taking shots.
0: Yes, I see what you're saying.
1: But not, not every single play. It. Yeah, right. exactly, and I think that's Jameis' problem.
0: Yes. Well, he always gives his quarterbacks at least two options based on how the defense lines up. One option gives a chance to make a first down. The other gives a chance to score a touchdown, no matter where they are on the field. Arians is huge into this. He doesn't care if it's third down and three. If you have a touchdown touchdown, if you're if it's third down and three and you're on your four-yard line, but you have your res, your best receiver one-on-one going a deep route, he says throw it to him. <laughs> throw it to the guy. He doesn't care. If he's in single coverage and he's running a deep post route, throw him the goddamn ball. He believes that. That's the whole risk no, it, no, no risk it, it no risk it, no it.
1: Which I love that. And, and and
0: he, he says the quarterback must always act like the next play is going to be a touchdown. And he emphasizes this. He must always, always act like that.
1: It's... Again, that confidence thing.
0: Yes. And it, it exudes to the rest of the team. And he talks about how, you know, whether you like it or not, whether you think it's fair or not, the quarterback is the leader of the team. The defense and the offense and the special team, they always look to the quarterback as the leader of the
1: team. Oh, this was a good story with Andrew Luck. They had the first game when Bruce Arians took over as head coach when Chuck Pagano went out with his cancer scare. And it was so much pressure because Ursa, Jim Ursay, the owner of the Colts, was like, we're going to win this for Chuck. I forget who they were playing, maybe Denver. At, at, at the half, they were down like, way down. They were going to lose that game. And so they go into the game, and Andrew was like, we're going to win this. And they come back, and then at one point, Andrew fumbles it. Mm -hmm. And the score is super close. And they get off the field, and Andrew goes to the defense, and he says,
0: stop them. them. Just stop them, them and
1: I will win this game. We will win this game. Mm -hmm. Stop them, let us get back on the field, and, and we'll win it. And so the defense did. They stopped them. And so Andrew threw a touchdown, and I think they needed another touchdown. Yeah, they needed another stop. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they need another stop. So Andrew gets off the field, he goes to the defense, same thing, stop them. And they do. And then they get back on the field, they win the game. Yes.
0: He said that was the most, the only two times he's ever been scared of losing a game was Bear Bryant's last game as a head coach. And the first game he played as a head coach in memory of Chuck Pagano. Not memory of him, but in uh, In, honor or whatever. Yeah, Yes. Yes. Close enough. Uh, interesting thing, too, he said that he believes his quarterback should stay off social media because confidence is so vital to a quarterback. Mm. He said there is no type of failure is accepted in the social media universe.
1: That's so true. Mm-hmm. I hope Jameis will get off of social he's, media. He's not on it a whole lot. No, he's not. Yeah. He's not. There's the three main characteristics, but you touched on a few others. Timing. Timing is everything in the NFL. If a quarterback doesn't have the skill, this one that really can't be taught, he won't last long in the league. I'll take a quarterback with a great sense of timing any day over one with a big arm who struggles to make those rhythm throws. Timing was our whole offense last year. Right, undercutter? Yeah,
0: Jameis doesn't have a problem with that. Some of those throws he throws to Mike Evans are just beautiful. He will throw them to Mike Evans before Mike Evans even makes his cut. Yeah. And... A couple of times, I've just been like, wow, these guys have got to have some type of mental connection the way they're...
1: Yeah. Well, Fitz was kind of the same way. Yeah. It was the offense. But, I mean, he was under Cutter for three, four years.
0: Yeah, I think he learned Yeah, so to anticipate.
1: I, I think so, too. Yeah, Aaron's
0: made a distinction between throwers and passers. He said throwers are guys that they see somebody opening and they just chunk it to them. Passers throw, them, throw the ball before the guys get open. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that was good to hear. And then leadership is important, too. I mean, that's one of the most important. You said
0: it was the most important. And
1: it made me think of when Jameis came back after suspension. Mm -hmm. And some of the other players, they interviewed them. And it was before some of them had even seen Jameis. And they were like, you can just feel his presence in the building. Hmm. You just knew that he was there. Wow. I was like, wow, that's... Yeah, and uh,
0: Jameis, towards the end of the season, you remember he was doing press conferences, and he looked really down and depressed or robotic and everything. Something was going on there between him and Cutter and the team and all that good stuff. I did not like seeing that. Yeah. Uh, But now it seems like Jameis is back to his old self. So hopefully he'll be that leader. You know, everybody mocks him for the eat the W's thing. But I thought it was, you know, it's a a young guy out there trying to inspire his team. Yeah. That's how I looked at it. You know, he probably thought about that for a week. You know, figuring out how to do it and get his fingers right. And, you
1: know. <laughs> it was so weird. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was awkward. <laughs> I watched a gif of it yesterday because I was looking for some other gifs of him. And all the guys in the background were just, just looking like, looking like at what?
0: <laughs> uh, Bruce Arians is big in taking shots down the field, especially at the beginning of games. He believes in opening shock and awe. He says it's very important. It immediately puts pressure on the defense. The opposing team, quick strike long balls early in games are crucial. His whole offense is based on receivers beating their defenders in one-on-one situations. Mike Evans is a master at that.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was our whole offense last year, too. So yeah, they, I don't. we're not going to have an issue with this at they, all. There's
0: not a cornerback in the league that can cover Mike Evans.
1: Yeah, and I think that might have been why this job was attractive to Bruce Arians because our offense was like that already, and so you don't have to teach that to the guys.
0: Right, yeah. That's what I said. When Dirk Cutter got fired, Bruce Arians... Got hired. I was upset when Dirk Cutter got fired because I was like, you know, this offense is great, and we'll probably never have this again. But then we hired Bruce Arians, and I went, well, he's actually better at it than <laughs> right? Cutter, so we're going to have a better offense. i We're else. extremely happy.
1: And I, he's he values a running game too. So
0: he didn't talk a lot of whole lot about it, but it is a book called Quarterback Wisdom, right? Uh, he doesn't believe in being a father figure to his guys, especially his quarterback. You hear that get thrown around a lot with quarterbacks and stuff. He wants to be the cool uncle you'd like to have a drink with, the guy you can spill your guts to without fearing reprisal. He's going to tailor the offense to the strength of Jameis. Mm-hmm. He's really big into I don't know if you noticed, but every quarterback he had, he analyzed their character and personality. He did research on their background and all that so that he could basically manipulate
1: them. And accommodate their idiosyncrasies. Like, yes. he... One of the core, I can't remember if it was Peyton or Ben. He could like get in their face and all that. But Andrew Luck was more sensitive. So he had to tone it down with Andrew. Yeah, he
0: would, he would yell at the second and third string quarterbacks to get the message across to Andrew. No, month. he
1: does that to Carson Palmer. Oh, that was Carson because Palmer. Because he's like, Carson Palmer is such a seasoned veteran. You can't he talk can't. to him like that. Like right. he's earning that respect. So he, yeah, he would yell at the backup. So that Carson would hear it.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, he, he doesn't believe in chemistry, team chemistry. So he I
1: noted this one, yeah, too. And I
0: say that all the time, team chemistry. Kids, I'm going to stop saying it because I like Bruce Aarons. Yeah, He thinks it's an overused word in football. He says uh, teams don't have chemistry, they have carry. When players and coaches truly care about each other, they become accountable to each other.
1: You know, this thought just occurred to me. For the undercutter's regime, and you even heard cutters say this, that this is a business. It's a business. That's what happens in a business. Very clinical. Very clinical. And Bruce Arians is the total opposite. Total
0: opposite. He doesn't write anything down for his speeches or nothing. Everything's off the cuff.
1: And it's like, it's not, again, it's about caring about the people that you're around. Not how much money you're making. It's not, you know, how much accolades you're getting. It's the team and being together yeah, and he's uh, thinking about his players as people not as cogs in a machine or
0: numbers yeah he doesn't he he talks about winning and losing and he wants to win he doesn't want to lose but to him that's not the most important thing the most important thing is the people the team the players the coaches you know everybody being uh, together in unison and
1: that's probably the means to the end yes he invests so much in his players and that's how he gets them to perform to be able to win
0: yes maybe he is funny he's got quite a few sayings he says throughout the book that i i I found interesting but one of my favorite was snot bubbles and tears don't win shit
1: i love that (laughs) one i know
0: (laughs) he's like don't pout don't sit around and cry yeah don't be upset about things snot bubbles and tears don't win shit
1: don't be a punk (laughs) oh did you know bruce arian's coach freddie kitchens at alabama really yeah so that was that connection there. But Freddie went to Cleveland. Oh, and he also said he loves it when writers dump on his team because that gives him more motivation to work hard every day.
0: Well, he's going to get plenty of that with he the Tampa Bay sure media. He sure
1: is. Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> JoeBucksFan.com and Peter Report and Rick Stroud and all those guys, they, they love to dump on the team. So keep, keep your work up, buddies. Bruce Arians is going to be happy with you guys. That's
1: right. Oh, another thing I learned, and this was kind of a, this is a random fact about the NFL, but they have a rule, or they did at the time, several years ago, that if your your years of service plus your age equals 75, is for coaches, the league will bridge you, meaning you can retire and they'll pay your health care and you have access to a special bridge retirement account until you reach um, eligibility for Medicare.
0: Yeah, so Arians has reached that point. He did...
1: He did when he was 58.
0: Right. And uh, so he's got, what was it? He said, don't give a shit. He's, he's at the don't give a shit point in his career.
1: Right. <laughs> because
0: he's like, I don't care. I'm, you know, I'm getting paid no matter what. Yeah, so. I, can, yeah. I can leave he said, and he I'll be said, fine. Yeah, I don't give a shit what anybody thinks anymore. I'm going to do what I want to do is what he said. I'm yeah. going to go out there and. Sling the ball around the field.
1: Oh, this one was funny. They were having the Pittsburgh, after Pittsburgh won one of their Super Bowls, and they were having the parade, and he got booed. And one of the fans yelled at him to get a fullback, and he replied, never. Never. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll never have a fullback.
0: Yeah, which kind of sucks, because I always like fullbacks. I I like that pounding up the middle.
1: Yeah, they're fun.
0: Yeah, but this is not going to be a run heavy team. No, no, this is going. It's, it's basically going to be the same as it was the past few years, just but a little bit different, a little bit better, I think. And more I think running. The, yeah, I think the team's going to play harder.
1: Yeah, I think so too. He in Arizona, he said that the team's always had a really loose, loud locker room, and he let the guys listen to music, and they loved it.
0: That was in the locker room, yeah. right? But on so- the practice field, probably a different story. Okay, yeah. maybe. Because he even even questioned Bill Belichick with that. He was like, he went to Bill Belichick's practice, and he had music playing at practice. And Aaron's was like, Bill, music, really? (laughs) Because he doesn't think that the players can concentrate, and they can't hear him yell at them (laughs) while the music's going on. Which
1: That's true, I feel. um, In regard to play calling, he thinks it's a... Art, an art form. And he scouts and researches the tendencies of the defense for hours. So he looks at their body language. He looks for tells mm-hmm. of the defenders, like what they're going to do if their feet are facing this way, they're rushing if they're you know, doing this, they're going to draw back into coverage mm-hmm. and all that.
0: He gave some examples too.
1: Right. And he said they're aware of it and they'll often throw wrinkles into their defensive schemes. It just reminded me of Cutter and Mike Smith how their game plans were so predictable and so... No wonder offenses could just carve us up. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it didn't seem like they were ever innovating or changing. No. He also does self-scouting on his play calls. So he doesn't like to call plays that they've called in the season.
0: I know he does not like to run the same play twice in a game.
1: Right. So Very
0: adamant against it. Yeah,
1: but they'll look over the whole season. And I'm sure they'll run plays more than once, but... They don't want to develop habits or mm. tendencies that a defense could predict. Yeah. So they do a lot of that.
0: Yeah, and they have 150 plays per game, approximately 150 plays in the game plan per game.
1: Doesn't that seem like a lot? That I is mean, a lot. How many plays do you... About 60. About 60. Yeah. Offensive?
0: Yes, if I'm Yeah. If I'm thinking correctly, it's about 60. And half of those are scripted. Yeah. So, But I, I imagine they do about 150 in a you know, game time decision as to what gonna do but a lot of the plays are you know, like like you've got the quarterback will get two or three plays called out to him and he gets to decide which one depending on the defense or he can audible into a play. So hundred and fifty plays is about what you would expect.
1: Right. And then so in those hundred and fifty plays he gives him a first down play and a touchdown play. So there's, yeah. that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, just reading all the things that an NFL quarterback has to deal with, I'm like, whoa. Yes. That takes a lot. You got to be really smart.
0: Really smart and quick thinking.
1: Yeah. And you have to be able to retain a lot of information and process it quickly.
0: I mean, these guys have to be smart. They have to be leaders. They have to be, you know, stay out of trouble, Jameis. Uh, they've got to be athletic. They got to be able to take a lot of pain. They got to be, Cool as eyes. So they got to be confident. I mean, you know, the thats a, a lot to ask for a human being. That's why there's so few really good quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, and it gives you more and respect. Coach,
0: like the best. I know. You know.
1: Then that Some makes breweries. you wonder: Are they what they are because of him, or
0: did he just happen to
1: stumble in on? it? But they on. did. Cho- he was instrumental in picking Peyton Manning. Yes. In that decision.
0: Was he instrumental in picking Andrew Luck? I can't remember if he.
1: No, they had already decided yeah, no. that they were taking. No,
0: no, him. no, because it was they were deciding between RG3 oh, and yes. Andrew Luck. You're right. And he said RG3 not going to last long. So. Right. Yeah. Let's get let's get Luck.
1: <laughs> because RG3, they did the spread offense in mm-hmm. college, and he said they don't really translate well.
0: Yeah, he really does not like quarterbacks that come from the spread offense. Yeah. Marcus Marietta, So.
1: Did he really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. So I wonder if we had had Marcus Mariota here. if He wouldn't he, come, probably. He wouldn't come. Mm-hmm. You don't think so? Mm-hmm. I just imagine after he was approached with this job, he was just rubbing his hands together, thinking about getting his hands on Jameis. I know.
0: Yeah. yeah. Because Jameis seems exactly his kind of guy.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a, a few deficiencies there, but I think... He can work with I it. think so, too. If they
0: could just get him to read the damn field, you know, Jameis, Jameis would be a damn Pro Bowl quarterback every year.
1: I think so, too. And they say his mechanics, so... Yeah. maybe that's part of it too.
0: His mechanics have always been kind of goofy.
1: I know he's so he's not the most graceful quarterback
0: uh-uh.
1: looks like a newborn baby gazelle sometimes <laughs> i
0: I gotta get that clip of him doing that bunny hop <laughs> yeah, he's he's running down the field and he's getting ready to get tackled and he just does a bunny hop for no reason It's the weirdest thing <laughs> well guys that it was a really good book I would highly suggest and recommend it if you want to know. Where the Buccaneers are going from here, and how Bruce Arians coaches, this is the book for you. What do you think about it?
1: I really liked it, and I did tell you. I feel like we didn't even scratch the surface. I know. I could have read. Was. I
0: could have read a thousand pages of it.
1: I know, and I feel like we didn't even touch on everything here.
0: No. Well, we. I didn't want this to be multiple hours long. Plus, we have Game of Thrones coming. Out of <laughs> right. Uh, the book wasn't written very well, I would say I mean it was a little
1: inconsistent with like formatting and yeah
0: and the timelines kind of got screwed up around right? you know because they did jump back and forth a lot yeah. thing and there was some, some repetitive stuff but it' was very very good but very interesting it's hard to put down especially when you know this is your head coach now
1: yeah and it was an easy read it's oh,
0: two hundred yeah. pages
1: words. yeah <laughs> it,
0: uh... but yeah I was in, in each chapter at the beginning of the chapter at the end of the chapter I couldn't really tell. <laughs> they would have a play drawn up. And if you look on every play, and I imagine this is how Arians does it, every play has a, you got your check down guy, which is normally running back, Uh, then you have a guy going short to get one or two yards, then you have a guy going for three to five yards, then you have a guy going for about ten yards, and then you have a guy going deep. Almost every single one of the plays he had drawn up like that. It was like laddered. Yeah. So that's how he could script, you know, 30 plays, because, you know, you get in there, you don't know if, what your down and distance is going to be, but you've got your plays already scripted. So how does that work? Well, that's because every play is designed to get a certain down and distance. Every every receiver has got a certain down and distance that would be applicable to that down and distance that you need.
1: Yeah. So there's going to
0: be at least one of those guys is going to have that down and distance. So the quarterback's going to focus on that guy. Right. Yeah. And then always look for the guy deep too.
1: Do you? Does that put the quarterback in jeopardy of like looking down at his receiver too much? Because Jameis does do that, too.
0: Yeah, that's going to be an issue. And plus, I think all the defenses know this about Bruce Arians, so they're going <laughs> to be looking for that. That guy. Yeah.
1: But his philosophy is that if you're one-on-one with a receiver, you should beat your man.
0: Yes, and that's true. And Mike Evans can beat them all. Yeah. We just need some of the other receivers to step up and be fantastic this year. Yeah. They've got the skill set for it. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, we'll have another podcast for you Wednesday. If you get a chance, go out and check out this book. It's called Quarterback Whisper. It's written by Bruce Arians and...
1: Lars Anderson.
0: Lars Anderson, senior writer for Bleacher Report. Highly recommended. Good stuff. i tell you what. We are going to win a lot of games, and it's going to be fun.
1: Fun football. I'm ready for
0: it. I know. Fun, entertaining football. Yeah. And winning, 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 winning. <laughs> Let's do this. Till then, guys.
1: No risk no biscuit. <laughs>